Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. It all just became normal, like mom's pee on a stick and a child's digital footprint begins. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. We talk a lot about the ways the internet can be a not-so-safe place. It's true for adults, and it's also true for kids. And when well-meaning parents post content of their children to social media or make entire online platforms solely around their kid, it raises a lot of questions. Is it safe? What about privacy? Or what about consent? Technology moves so quickly, and pretty much before we knew it, it kind of became normal for parents to share everything online. Even things that were once reserved for family and close friends. The most intimate moments, or even content about times where kids are sick or injured. So in our increasingly digital world, shouldn't we pause to ask if this is safe or healthy for our children? My name is Sarah Adam, and I go by mom.uncharted on my social media accounts, mainly TikTok, and you can just call me Sarah. Sarah uses her growing platform on TikTok to explore what she calls Generation Shared. And she was inspired to start in part by the experiences of parenting during the pandemic. 
I became a mom in late 2017, and I naturally followed a lot of mommy bloggers and mommy influencers, mainly over on Instagram. And as the years went on, specifically kind of during the pandemic, when we all moved towards like this online world, I just noticed the amount that parents were sharing was getting more frequent, was getting more detailed. And I started to feel uncomfortable with the amount I was seeing other people's children displayed on social media and the stories they were sharing and the intimate details they were sharing. And I just couldn't help but think, does anyone else feel this is getting a little out of hand? Does anyone else feel that like maybe we're oversharing uh, details about our kids? And so... I eventually just downloaded TikTok and thought, you know what, maybe I'll ask, <laughs> maybe I'll start talking about these things. See if, see if there's a community out there of like-minded people who feel like, yeah, you know, this is getting a little weird. This is getting a little strange. And did you find that community? Is there a community of like-minded folks who are interested in having those conversations? Yes, I did. So when I first downloaded TikTok, um, I did kind of like the mom stuff, the trend stuff. I had a pandemic baby. I talked about that. I talked about things going on in my area and was just trying to like learn the app and figure out who I was. And I noticed that whenever I integrated the concept of or the topic of sharing or child exploitation on social media, that people were pretty engaged and liked that stuff and wanted to talk about it. And so, yes, I did find a group of like-minded, mainly parents, but generally adults who feel that like we need to think longer and harder about the way we are sharing and utilizing our kids on social media. Yeah, I know that you talk a lot about some of the harms and the dangers of sharing kids on social media that I definitely want to get into. But something that you said that really struck me was, yes, that it can be super harmful, but also I think the question of like, do is it okay for strangers to see certain moments? Some, something that comes to mind is like a video I saw where it was like an influencer and she was made a video and it was like, the moment you've been waiting for, my my newborn's first bath. And right. it, it is sort of like, that's an intimate thing. Like I don't, I'm not a parent myself, but I just became a niece. And yep. I my my brother and his partner, they had their first like skin to skin. And it was this incredible, like intimate moment. experience. Isn't it not great that strangers would feel entitled to be a fly on the wall for the intimate most deep, special moments between a, a mother or a parent and a child that they don't even know? Yeah, it um, it feels like social media has made things less sacred, almost like these moments that you used to really be present for, for your children, you know, the first bath, the first skin to skin, there's like a camera there and it's being filmed. And it just makes me think like, is anything just private anymore? Are there anything that parents just want to keep to themselves and hold near and dear and close and, you know, put the phone down for, right? Um, yeah, it, it, to me, I think it's strange. I think it's strange that parents would want strangers who they have not vetted to Ha, be privy to these intimate moments with their children, right? That these strangers can save the videos and develop potentially like parasocial relationships with children. It it just feels strange to me. Yeah, a real new normal where I think you're right. I wonder if anyone has thought to pump the brakes and say, hey, is this really the future that we want to have does social media is social media getting us to a future that we want or to a future that doesn't feel great in some ways like I, i'm happy that someone is out there forcing the question because with, t- with technology things move so quickly and you can get to a new place without ever really thinking how did we get here and did we want to be here in the first place 
Well, honestly, Bridget, I think that's kind of how we got here with the sharing, right? With the oversharing of our like children in our lives is that technology moves so fast and it all just became normal. Like mom's pee on a stick and a child's digital footprint begins, right? And we weren't talking about it. So we weren't reflecting on it as parents or really critically thinking about it because it's what we were continuing to see. And what I want to do and what I try to do is just bring a different opinion, a different perspective. I want to engage in these conversations, right? I'm not trying to like attack. I'm not trying to shame. I'm just trying to say like, whoa, guys, Have we like reached a point where we need to just pause and reflect on this and think critically, think about their future, not just the present? Um, It's really about just having parents pause before posting, thinking about their own sharing practices, as well as the content they are consuming online. Yeah. What are some of the dangers that you've seen in terms of like maintaining an account that is solely based, like a, like a parent maintaining an account or a social media presence that is solely based around the a child. Yeah, I've seen like um, some of the strange like parasocial relationships that people are like waiting for these kids' videos to pop up in their feed that like, you know, they m- make their day and things like that. Um, a lot of predatory people also, depending on the type of account, like specifically, um, mothers who are exploiting their young daughters. I have noticed there's a lot of predatory people following uh, those accounts. And like, sadly, we live in a world where images can be saved and altered and digitally manipulated and put in scary places of the internet. And it's just so much to think about and consider, right? Yeah, your content... I mean, take this whatever way you're going to take it. I maybe was a little bit naive about, like, I know the internet is a scary place and I know there's weirdos and creeps out there. Of of course. Your account really made me realize what an organized network of creeps exist on the internet specifically to target content regarding children in ways that I... Never would have thought like, like, like it's, it's almost like so dark. It's tough to talk about, but there's like a market, um, a marketplace for people who don't have great intentions with materials around surrounding children. It's like very, it's like very upsetting. And and I understand that people might not want to, like, I don't want to talk about it or think about it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Well, honestly, um, sadly, it's a massive marketplace. Like the things I have come across, it's terrifying and it's scary and it's dark and it's dangerous. But the safety element wasn't even really on my radar when I first started thinking about these things. I was coming more from a like, don't our kids deserve privacy? Like we're choosing to put ourselves out there. We, you know, consented to be public in public figures, whatever you want to call it. And they didn't. So I was always coming from that kind of place. And it wasn't until I dove into it that the real safety concerns kind of came out. And as I was learning more about these dark corners of the internet and the people on these apps and things like that. I just felt like, well, I got to share. I got to tell other parents that this is happening. And these are like, you know, the tags they use and what they're looking for. I felt if I was accumulating all this knowledge, I had to share it with other parents. Right. And you're right. It is hard to think about. But as I always say, we have to remember that when we post images publicly, we lose the ability to control them. And sadly, some of the worst people in society are on these social media platforms and their intentions are not good. And the FBI has stated that there's over 500,000 active predators online each day. And I don't know if that's like an American stat or like a worldwide stat, but like that's enough as a mom to be like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) that's a lot of predatory people. Are there red flags 
that might indicate that creeps are interested in a certain kind of material that you're posting online? Yeah, like, um, you know, there's such an anonymity with the internet that creeps can be very blazing and bold, right? They can just hide behind these troll accounts. They can say terrible comments. They can private their account so you can't see their followers list and what else they're doing out there. But I've noticed um, a lot of them aren't as sly as others. And if oftentimes you click on a user's name who maybe made an inappropriate uh, comment on a video of a child and they are public, you can see their followers list. And usually that gives you an insight into the type of individual that might be. I feel like most parents, most good parents, would never knowingly put their kid in danger, right? Do you think that there's something about the internet that blurs the actual, like, legitimate danger? Not just the privacy invasion, all of that. Like, all of that is important as well. But the the, the legitimate danger that some of these parents maybe unwittingly are putting their kids in. Do you think the internet makes it makes it difficult to see it as dangerous because it's happening on the internet? Yeah, 100%. I feel like there's an element that it feels like not real, like less scary because they aren't physically able to like touch you or get to you that it give. Yeah, but then I think about like stories like Ava Majuri who had a stalker show up with a shotgun at their family home. Let's take a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me you'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. 
Fearless finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay, they can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. Ava Majuri started using TikTok two years ago when she was 13 to stave off pandemic boredom. Since then, her platform has grown to over a million followers. Last year, after months of harassing Ava online, 18-year-old Eric Rohan Justin traveled to her home and shot a hole through her bedroom door before Ava's dad shot and killed him. When he was killed, he brought two cell phones with him that were filled with thousands of pictures and videos of Ava. And just this spring, Ava was being stalked by a classmate. Ava's parents talked to her about leaving social media after the incident with Eric. But Ava said that she liked the platform that she had built, and she thought it could help her get into a good college. So she continues making content. Now, young people like Ava should be able to make the decision for themselves about how they show up online, not be forced into it by their parents before they're really even old enough to understand it. Because the dangers that can come with showing up online are real. The people online can and do turn up in real life, right? So we're seeing more stories where like they're um, intersectional, right? You know, the online world and the real world are starting to come together. But I definitely agree. And I think maybe because parents are posting the images and videos, like the parent feels like in control, right? And that they would not put their child in danger. And it's just thinking deeper into it, right? Yeah, that's something that we talk about on this podcast. It seems like endlessly getting people to wake. Most people are, a lot of people are there, but to wake up to the reality that the like online harms don't often stay online, right? And so, you know, we had this attitude a while ago where it was like, oh, it's just the internet, who cares? But the internet and the real world, they, there's there's much more overlap to the two than you think. And there are so many instances where, whether it's harassment or yeah. violent behavior, it might start online, but it does not end online. 100, 100%, right? And that goes back to, you know, another element I discuss in regard to like posting photos and stuff is, you know, embarrassing content of your children, low moments of your children and the potential that it could be used as like bullying fodder down the line, right? To your point. And then these bullies have access to all of this content and it doesn't end in the schoolyard like it used to for these kids, right? And for the teens online and things like that. It's all with you 24-7, right? Um, Another thing that we have to think about. Yeah, some sometimes on your page you'll have this like, oh, it just breaks my heart. There's this content where it'll be, I am fostering these oh. kids with disabilities. And mm-hmm. it'll go into these like very specific, detailed retellings of the issues that these kids have and the circumstances that they came from. And I just, and I, I understand that the content is supposed to make you feel like, oh, how nice, or like, oh. Yeah. heartwarming blah blah but it just so clear to me that the kid the child the person that that you should be really focused on that no one is really thinking about like well how is this going if, if they're in school and you're showing their face and using their name and talking about their history and their background is this going to be good for them yeah um I'm not an uh, adoptive mom or foster mom and I'm not uh, adoptive or foster child. So like I can't speak from that experience, but I have talked to a lot of people in those communities. And my thought on it is that 
that's their story, right? We have to remember that these are individual humans. They may be little, we may be in charge of them, but they still have their own stories and their own experiences, especially when we're thinking about like foster and adoptive children who could come from a lot of trauma, right? And to have their trauma publicly shared without their knowledge and consent feels like they can't be the author of their own story and they don't get that back, right? They're not going to be able to reclaim that story as theirs. Like what if they didn't want that information public? And now forever it is public, right? It almost, I worry about like them being re-traumatized by having their stories and their experiences shared publicly online. Oof. I have a, I mean, you might agree with me. I have, I have what might be a controversial opinion. We don't care. We don't see as a society, we don't see kids as human. Like mm-hmm. we have, a, I, th- I think that sometimes it can be, adults can be so removed from the experience of being a child that it almost, we almost dehumanize them and we don't give them, we treat them as if they don't have any right to privacy or the right to be authors or vo- to give voice to their own experience. Yeah. And we kind of have this, this situation where it's like the adults know better and are allowed to, you know, make whatever choices that they want for the child. And I think, I think that we really don't always treat children as if they are little humans. We, we, we treat them in this way that I find really dehumanizing. I think a lot of people would uh, agree with you. A lot of people feel that kids right now, um, especially on social media, are kind of being treated like property of their parents. So like their parents have the right to do whatever they want. Or I often refer to um, things I'm seeing like treating your child like a prop or an accessory to your content rather than a little human. And that's really hard. And we don't know the consequences and ramifications of all of this down the line like but to your point this is a real human lived experience this they're not actors playing a role here right this is their life and we are putting it all out there without their knowledge and their consent and being the authors of their story and not giving them the digital autonomy that we have been given, right? Like I'm a later millennial. I didn't have Facebook until I was 21 years old, an adult, right? And let me tell you, at 21, I felt like an adult. Let me tell you, I was not an adult, right? Not an adult, right? But I signed up, I consented and I said, whatever I do, like this is on me, right? And they're not getting that choice, They're going to sign on when they're, you know, 13 or whatnot and have a very lengthy, detailed digital footprint already created for them that explains who they are, that maybe that's not who they are or want to be perceived as. Do you ever hear from children who have now gotten a bit older, I guess they're like, you know, young adults who were the subject of a mommy blog or a, you know, mom run account about what that experience was like for them? Um, There is an individual, Cam Soft Scorpio on TikTok. She, I don't think she was used as like in a mommy vlogger form, but she grew up with a chronic oversharer and she shares her details on the public platform about how um, she deals with all of the trauma that her mom put her through by sharing her life publicly online. And there is another, recently a video has gone viral from uh, Caroline Eastman, a comedian out of Chicago, where a child vlogger got in contact with her anonymously and let her share a letter about her experience being a child in this, you know, family vlogging world. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So I haven't, like, no one's directly reached out to me. But again, all these vlogger children are kind of just coming of age now. Many of them maybe are like in their later teens. And I think sometimes it takes a little 
longer to reflect on things, right? I wouldn't be surprised if it takes until 25, 30 for these children to really reflect back on their childhood and see things differently. Because right now, if you're 17, 18 years old, you might think it's really cool, right? You're still very much in this world, right? But as you age and look back on your childhood, as we all do, you might see things very differently. Yeah. And I also think if you are, if you grew up in a household with a chronic online oversharer or a, a, a mom or a parent who was like, you were their content, you might not realize how harmful that was until you're out of it. Like that might just be your, you might have not have a concept of the fact that like that's, that's, that's not everybody's normal circumstances until you're like out of it, several years removed. Because it was your lived experience, right? You learn what you live. If these children are living in a world where they are constantly being filmed and everything is content, then that's what they learn and that's what they feel comfortable with. And that's just their existence. Maybe they're not aware that that's not how the majority of kids grow up, right? So I think it's going to take a little time, but I think they're going to come, right? Like you, there's often the comparison between like child stars and influencer kids. And there's a lot of differences, but I feel like we can take a little bit from the child star experience and think that maybe some of these kids have the potential to have similar traumas. Definitely. So I just finished um, Jeanette McGurdy's yeah. book. Uh, I'm glad my mom died, which like, geez, Whoa. what a gut punch of a read that was. My I God. Um, but, you know, when it comes to child actors, I mean, I, I have no idea about the, the business, but I do know that there's laws like there's like spe- there's like certain laws about how long they can work, what, yep. what their schooling looks like, all of that, where the money goes. Yep. Influence, like influencing and, and content creating is such a new field that we don't really even have a have a body of, of laws that, I, that I'm aware of that speaks to that because it's such a new field. Do you think this is, is a place where our technology has progressed quicker than our than our than our like societal and legal understanding? Like, do you think that there should be laws in place or at least norms in place for how how children can show up online if a parent is like monetizing a content page dedicated like solely to them? Yeah, I definitely think that um, there needs to be rules and regulations put forth to protect the kids and like their labor and the money that they are essentially making. Um, I don't know when that will come. You know, there's a lot going on in the world. And I think a lot of um, one aspect is the people usually in charge of, you know, government and making regulations are quite older (laughs) than the people who are like in the depths of this fast moving technology. So I'm not even sure if lawmakers really understand the problem that is happening online, right? Completely. More after a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. 
When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's get right back into it. My nine to five job is around like platform accountability and sort of trying to nudge platforms to do the right thing. And some of that work involves lawmakers. And I'll just say sometimes I'm like, oh, the people making the laws for our platforms, I don't know how innately familiar they are with them, but but yet they are in charge of them. Exactly, Uh, right? And and then also I would say, I, I have this theory that, you know, you know, when I look at like influencers, for so long, influencing was something that was mostly like like dominated by women. And so I think that it gave it this idea that it wasn't serious and didn't need scrutiny. Yep. And I think that when it comes to children showing up online via their parents, I think a lot of that is also dominated by women. Yep. And thus it is avoided the same kind of scrutiny. I just think that when something is like, has the impression of like, oh, it's just something that women are doing on the internet, it, it gives an it has an air of it's not worthy of scrutiny or a, a real meaningful attention. And I think nothing could be further from the truth. I think you nailed it on that one, Bridget. I completely agree. When you make your content, do you ever get accusations of like that your mom shaming? Like, oh, why don't you leave her alone? It's not your kid. If she wants to put her, if she wants to put her kid on her TikTok or social media like this? Who are you to say anything? Do people ever accuse you of shaming moms? Um, Occasionally. It's definitely died down recently. Like I get a lot of like, mind your own business or not, not your kid, not your problem. But I feel that the mom shaming has died down a little, but I've also grown with my platform. So I try really hard to you know, inform and educate and offer a difference of opinion and use examples that aren't, you know, stitched and duetted and usernames are hidden and identities are hidden. You know, some of these people have millions of followers. So like, you know who I'm talking about, (laughs) but I want it to be around the conversation um, versus trying to attack somebody. So I think as I've grown with my platform, it's 
it's died down because I'm really trying to, I don't want to mom shame. I don't want, I don't think any, if a mother's making a different choice than me, I don't think they should be attacked for it and ridiculed for it because I don't think it's a black and white issue. I think there is a lot of gray um, when it comes to online sharing. I've said multiple times that I'm not against all sharing, but I am against parents making their content their kids. And, you know, 90% of their content is their kid or their whole account is solely their kid is very different than an influencer who sometimes does a dance with their kid or shows them at the park occasionally, right? Like there's gray, there's a spectrum. Yeah, I I agree. Because I mean, and I'm going to be honest, like I... When I'm scrolling TikTok, I love children. When a, when a cute kid doing a dance or a cute kid doing something like, to, you know, making food in their like pretend kitchen. I love that. I love that stuff. But honestly, it's made me take a more critical look at my own role in the content that I am consuming and thus mm-hmm. incentivizing. You know, we all love cute kids. Yes. If I'm seeing a content where it's like, this kid doesn't look happy or this kid looks like they they've they've un, they understand that they have to perform in a certain way to get validation and maybe they don't want to and they're doing it anyway. It's, it's made mm-hmm. me take a much more critical eye to the content that I am consuming and thus incentivizing and, you know, incentivizing them to keep making it. Yeah, totally. I And that's one of the things I've always hoped is that parents and adults will reflect on the content they are consuming. And if they were consuming these like kid-centric accounts, that they don't look at it as a place of entertainment. They look at it from a place of personal lived human experience of that child, right? Like, that child is not a knowing or willing participant, right? Because they can't, they can't consent. They don't know what social media is. They don't know they're being blasted to a billion people on TikTok. So just to be able to think more critically of how we are seeing kids and interacting with them online is a big part of what I talk about too. I've noticed there are content creators who are talking about how they are no longer going to be featuring their child on their social media content. Do you feel that the tides are sort of turning? I feel like the tides are like, I feel like there's like a little ripple, right? And you never know, the ripple might turn into the wave or it might just not go anywhere. But I've seen like really big creators recently, some who are, you know, pregnant or trying to conceive announce that like they won't be sharing their child on social media that like, you know, maybe from the back or something like that, but they firmly believe they can't give informed consent. And when they have platforms of millions of people and stuff like that, I guess you would know how dark and scary and weird it can get, right? So you maybe wouldn't want your kid involved in that. And Every day I have parents reaching out to me just saying that I've changed the way they've thought in their own, um, within their own family and the way they share online and the content they consume. So I do see a little tide, um, a little ripple in the water of change. Because again, like my goal isn't to like get rid of kids on the internet or anything like that. It's to really think about, like to treat them as humans and we wouldn't want pictures and videos of ourselves circulating online without our knowledge and consent. Yet we're doing this every day to our kids, right? It's just these things we have to think about. It's it's important to think about these things. Yeah. Oof. My mom has this picture of me framed in our house from of when I was a toddler, and it's it's an unflattering picture. I'm 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 doing something very unflattering, and I always think. Thank God that we didn't have social media. If, if like that, if like as an adult, that was the image that people associated with me still. Like, yeah. you know, if that, if that image went viral, oh, it would be a nightmare. Well, we say like, oh, so as a millennial, one of our biggest things is, well, I'm so glad that my teenage years weren't blasted on the internet or my childhood wasn't blasted on the internet. Yeah, we are some of the worst for doing it to our own children. So it's just really interesting sometimes how people 
aren't connecting that, right? Like you wouldn't want it done to you. You're glad it wasn't done to you, yet you're actively doing it to your children. You just need to self-reflect on that. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but you're so right that we're, we are the ones doing it and we didn't, we, we are always talking about how we're happy it didn't happen to us and we're exactly. turning it around and doing it to the next generation. Exactly. Right. And I think I, I worry because some people are like, well, you know, your kids aren't here. Why do you care? Well, I care because I care about kids. I care about the generation of humans. My children are growing up with and around and amongst. Right. And Right now, what we know to be true is that the teens are really suffering. They're becoming increasingly addicted to their smartphones and their screens, uh, rates of, you know, anxiety, depression, suicide, mental health in general have skyrocketed since the advent of social media over the past two decades. And my gut as a parent says that if this is where our teens are at now, why would we think it's going to be better for the next generation? Why do we think having our kids online and plastered on the internet at such a young age is going to benefit them down the line? Right? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And I, I firmly believe that it's time to take meaningful, intentional steps to yep. make sure that technology and the internet is not creating a generation that is worse off than the one before it. I think that we're yep. just moving very quickly. You know, I think it's partly because it's our experiences are making wealthy tech bros lots of money. And so those, <laughs> those experiences are like lining somebody's pockets and thus we are not stopping to be like, well, are we create, are, are we enabling the internet to provide healthy experiences for the next generation or m more fucked up experiences. And I deep, I, I deeply believe that young people deserve an internet that makes them feel safe and not exploited. Yep. And I, uh, yeah, it's just, there's so, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those topics is like, wow, that's a real ball yarn. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want parents to, think, right? That's why I call myself Mom Uncharted, because I don't have the answers. No one does. This is uncharted territory, but it is a massive element of parenting today. So we need to talk about it. And let's just have these open conversations. And you can agree or disagree. You can use your parental discretion and do whatever the fuck you want. But you need to just listen and reflect because you can't go to the library and get out a book and learn about how this is all going to turn out, right? We don't know the consequences and ramifications to all of this and we're navigating it together. And so at least we can talk about it. At least we can, you know, talk and have people just, you know, have a few light bulb moments, change a few things. It's just about opening a dialogue and having a discussion about something that is literally like a massive aspect of parenting these days. Yeah. Uh, one of my last questions, do you have tips for maybe somebody's listening and they're like, I want to be more intentional about how my kids show up on my social media feed. Do you have yep. any tips for that person listening? So... For me, what works for my family and what I believe is the safest option to protect your kids online, as well as respect their privacy as an individual, is to just not post. Um, that's my go-to. However, if you feel like you want to share with trusted family and friends, uh, the best option is to do so in private mode and really curate your followers list. Really know and trust those individuals who are following along with your children and your family experience. Those are always my go-to tips. So I want to know what you think. If you're a parent or a caregiver to a little one, what is your philosophy about how those kids show up on social media? And how did you come to that decision? Shoot me an email at hello at tangodi.com because like Sarah says, we're navigating pretty uncharted territory here when it comes to parenting, children, and the internet. And I think that we'll only really be able to figure it out by talking about it together. 
Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unboss Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.